Tonight, it, are the greater sins than, um, uh, are all sins the same? And uh, we started off in John chapter 19, uh, where Jesus uh, was asked by Pilate, uh, why won't you speak? To, speak? And, he, and, and he tells Pilate that those that delivered you to me have the greater sin than what you would have. And then we went to Luke chapter 12 and talks about those to whom much is given, much is required. Some shall be beaten with few stripes and some shall be beaten with, nigh, with many stripes. So in the severity of the disobedience. In 1 John chapter 5, and we go to verse um, 16, John, 1 John 5, 16, says, If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. So there definitely is differences of sins because he says there's sins unto death. Some sins that you're not even to pray for. Why, why won't you pray for them? Because they need those sins require repentance, not prayer. Okay, go ahead. In reality, sin is going to keep you from the kingdom of heaven. So whether it's unto death or not unto death, it's still sin. I mean, some sin is under death. It's not unto death, is okay? In other words, it, it, they, they're not in the list of the sins that, that <laughs> they're not in the list of sins unto death. What is the list of sins unto death? Adultery, fornicator, idolatry. Well, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 5, um, Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, and Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. Those, it, it lists a list of sins that are unto death. Sins that are not unto death are things like, say, my wife says something and I lift my voice louder than I should lift it. And then the Lord says, I don't want you to do that. That's not a sin unto death. Say, I'm going down the road and I, uh, the speed limit's 50 and I'm doing 52. Then that's a sin that's not unto death. But sins that are directly unto death are sins that, you, or the Lord, or the Lord could tell you something, put something on your heart that's not in that list, and then if you rebel and you don't do that, then you then you can get in trouble with that. That could become a sin unto death. Unforgiveness is sin unto death. Um, so we have those sins that, you know, you really get in bad shape. And like in Romans, like in Hebrews ten twenty six and twenty seven, it talks about very familiar scripture to us that says if we sin willfully. After we come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. The sins that you don't that you don't pray for that brother for, you actually talked to him about repentance. He needs to repent. He needs to turn from that sin because he's in a very very dangerous condition of may perhaps not even be able being able to come back. If if you come to the knowledge of the truth and you're walking the life that I have shared with you guys in the scriptures, that is the knowledge of the truth where you understand that. You're not to sin anymore. That the sin is to cease in your life. And uh, you're walking in that, and you go back, and you go and, uh, and, and commit adultery or fornication or what, something like that. You are putting yourself in a position where there's no more sacrifice for your sin. A very dangerous condition of perhaps not being able to come back. You know, how you know you're not able to come back? Because you, you can't manufacture godly sorrow. Only you... you 
Godly sorrow comes from a conviction in the heart. It's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance, the Bible says. And you may not have that God. Or you may even have some sorrow like Esau. The Bible said he had sorrow and he wept and he wept with tears, but he couldn't find that place of repentance. Dangerous place to go. I got something just completely going to switch gears because I have something that's going on with me that uh, I want to talk about. I want to talk so we're finished with this here. We're done. We talked about it a million times. We have talked about it. Before you go there, wait. Go to Proverbs chapter 7, I think is where it is. No, it's 616. What is it? 616. I knew it was close, yeah. Proverbs 616. So there are six things that the Lord hates and yet seven that he detests. Yeah. Sounds like that seventh one is pretty important. Yes. Which is discourse amongst the brethren. Yeah, he hates that. Let's talk about that. Verse 16 of chapter 6 of Proverbs. 6, 16. 6, chapter 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven. And they're an abomination unto him. First one is a proud look. Well, the Bible says in James 4 and 7, it says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a very bad place to get. Huh? 6. Six, uh, six seventeen now. Oh, I mean, like, we said Proverbs. Proverbs six seventeen. Yes. Yeah. A proud look. I, I see people, um, and I was telling somebody today about that. I said this person seems to become proud in in his knowledge, and mm -hmm. see knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, and and it's like he can't see the truth because he's so puffed up into thinking that he's a leader mm -hmm. and that he's got a place of authority or a place of position. And until you get humbled, you know, opposite of being proud is being humbled and you say, okay, Lord, I submit to you exactly what your word says and trying to be so intellectual and you humble yourself to the word of God and humble yourself to God like, God, you're right and I'm wrong. You know, with like, okay, I'm submitting to your word just like it says and it's trying to Instead of this person likes to try to make the word mean something other than what it says because they become proud. And God hates that. Because you end up adding to the word of God or taking away from it when you do that. So that's the first one, proud, a proud look. Next one is a lying tongue. And liars, the Bible says in Revelation 21, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people I see lie. A whole lot of people lie. A lot of people lie to cover their sin. Once they start sinning, they have to, they have to tell lies to cover their sin. They have to deny what they're doing. They have to deny that, you know, like, say a person is caught in adultery with their wife or their husband. They're going to they're gonna deny it. They're going to lie. Gonna, that sin of adultery leads to lying because they end up lying to everybody and won't admit they're doing it. person that does drugs, the same thing. They'll lie and say, no, I'm not on drugs. I don't do that. And they're, at the same time, they're doing it. See, you, the Bible says that sin adds to sin, and they end up going there. But liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God, he said. Hands that shed innocent blood. We know that's, that's, of course, is murder. No murderer shall inherit the kingdom of God. A false witness that speaks lies. Somebody's not telling the truth. He's lying. And he that soweth discord among the brethren, one that causes division amongst the brethren instead of causing union and encouragement toward the brethren. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, a good scripture with that is uh, if you go to Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, in verse 9. Well, let's start at verse 7. We've read this before as a group, but it says, uh, let me know what everybody's at, Revelation 12, 7. Revelation 12, 7. You know, that's the last book of the Bible. Everybody can get that one. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. I like that. I like to hear about that. That's war. War going up in, the, in space. And Michael and his angels fought against the devil, the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels. And the devil prevailed not. He didn't win. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I can read the end of the book and find that out. And, uh, and, and when, when he didn't win, neither was there found place anymore in heaven for him. So he's thrown out. And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, and this is what he's called. He's called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He's lying to the whole world. You okay in your sin? You okay just like you're going? That's what he tells the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice from heaven that says, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and empowers Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. What did the Lord say over here? One that sows discord among brethren. The devil, what he does is he, he accuses the brethren. How would he do that? with us or people that profess Christ. He puts thoughts in their heads to attack you or you to attack them. He'll put stuff in, oh, you know, he did that just to get to you or he, he don't really, she don't really love you. He don't really love you. All these different accusations, what they're doing, the devil's doing is he's accusing someone else in your mind. Oh, he don't have time for you. All, you know, all, these, all these different thoughts that will come to you as darts from the enemy to try to get you to pronounce accusation against another brother or sister. Yeah. Gossip. Gossip, yeah. Now, it's one thing when you, sometimes the Lord will have you bring out something about someone else that's not good, and that's not necessarily gossip. Paul did that. Paul warned the people of the Christians. He said, they're always liars. Paul says, beware of Hymenaeus or Alexander the coppersmith because of the things that he's done. That's not gossip. That's basically cheering with people. You need to watch out for this particular person. That's not gossip. But when it's something to make a false accusation against a brother or sister, you know, by, the, by a dart that you receive, and it's so easy for him to do it. Because you, you can say, well, you can maybe forgot something. Somebody says, he never told me that. He never said that, and later on you might find out they really did tell you that. You know, just to do anything to cause discord and separation amongst the brethren. You mind going back there to Revelation 12? Can you go to verse 11 and explain that? Revelation 12 and 11. Mm. And they, came, they overcame him, who? The devil, right? Mm. By the blood of the lamb, by the sacrifice of Jesus. So they were coming by, by him that I have been forgiven my, for my sins. I have been cleansed. By the word of their testimony. 
What's the word of your testimony? I've repented. I've turned from my way. My testimony is, is that, I'm, that I believe God, that I'm walking by faith, that I'm walk, walking in his will. And they love not their lives unto death. Very important. And Paul says, when all those things came at him in, in, in um, Acts chapter 20, he says, none of those things move me, for I count not my life dear unto myself. So you have to come to a place where you, the Bible says in Luke 14, uh, not the, he, who hates, he must hate his mother, his father, brethren, even his own life to enter the kingdom of God. That when somebody comes against you to do physical things against you, you're still not moved. That's where the fruit comes forth from your life. Is when all hell comes at you on the outside and you have the peace of God in you and you're not moved by those things that anybody else does. And that's, that, that's what it's talking about. Okay. Any, any, any question about that? You had something you said. Oh, we are? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. Um, I've been doing some studying this week. Good. Anyway, I kind of feel like uh, I've almost got into a, um, a bit of a judging spirit that is wrong. Because I feel like I can be used in a lot of different stuff, but I've cast almost judgment towards this stuff. Exclude, oh, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're, and I don't, I really feel strongly that that is not the way that I want to be, and I want to, I want to hear some scriptural stuff that, because I think you believe, I think we are, we preach that uh, judgment, right, the righteous judgment, and all this and that, and, and I've kind of found myself kind of just in, in, a, in a spirit of, um, well, they're wrong, I don't want to go around them, and he's wrong, and I, I don't want to, I don't feel like that does any, anybody any good. Like, okay, so the guy from my work who has never even heard of this doctrine before goes to this church, the Acacia Church, and he, and I believe in my heart that he is serving God, and I, and I want to be a witness to him. I mean, there's an approach, and I think that I, I feel like my approach has been kind of judgmental. And I, and I really pray that God use me. Well, the, the Lord, the Lord. The Lord tells us, you, you don't want to have a hypocritical judgment. That's wrong. Okay, hypocritical judgment is when you're telling somebody else to do something while you're doing the same thing. Okay, all right. But that's, that's what he warns about. He said, he said uh, judge not that you be not judged. For by what measure you judge others, that same judgment shall come upon you. But that's, a, that's a, what's called a hypocritical judgment. Okay. But the Lord does have us to judge all over the scriptures. That's undeniable. Now, the Lord says you judge according to appearance. He told the scribes and Pharisees, he said, judge righteous judgment. Judge according to the word of God. Okay, for instance, like you were talking about Matthew 7 earlier, it says here, it says that there's many that come to you that are false prophets. Well, how are you going to know if somebody's a false prophet? You're going to have to judge it. And he says, well, how do you judge it? He says, by the fruit, you'll know them, okay? A good tree can't be bring forth bad fruit. So if somebody's telling me they have the truth and that they're a man of God and they're a Christian, and I'm looking at their fruit, just like we talked about, and they're being moved by things, then I know that that's a false prophet. How do I know that? Because the scripture told me how to know it. So I, I, in my mind, I'm going to judge that and I'm going to say, okay, I'm not going to hang out with that person. Because that person is still walking in the darkness, and I want to walk in the light. 
so you don't you don't you don't do that. Give that boy his coat. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's 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 one aspect of it. Also, the scripture says in in Second Corinthians chapter six verse eleven, it says that be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. How are you going to judge who's an unbeliever and who's not an unbeliever? You have to do it to be able to make that determination. How are you going to fulfill that scripture? Because it tells you not to be yoked together with them. So how am I going to fulfill that scripture? And he begins to explain what that is. And he said, what fellowship does light have with darkness? What communion does Christ have below, with Belial? What fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever? It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. Cleanse your hands from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So in order for me to be obedient to that scripture, I can't sit there and just be dumb and say, well, I, I don't want to do that because you know, I don't want to judge that they're darkness because you know, I'm judging them. You know, I, I'm gonna, I don't want to do that. I have to do that because the Bible tells me to do that. How else am I going to know if they're, if they're darkness or light? How else am I going to know whether to fellowship with them or not? Because the Bible's telling me to do that. The Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says there, he says that, are you not to judge those that are within? Speaking of those that are in the body, God judges those that are without. But he said, I wrote to you another epistle, another epistle not the company with unbelievers, yet not altogether, for then you would have to go out of the world. But that you're to judge those that are within. So we have to judge one another. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, you're taking one another to court to be judged by the, by, the, by, the, by the world. He says, this is a fault of yours. This you ought to be ashamed. He said, don't you have those that are even least in your brethren that can judge between the two brethren? He says, you ought to judge those things yourself. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, it talks about, about making judgments. You have to do that. Don? I think I got a perfect scripture for him right here. One of your favorites, too. Okay. 2 Timothy 4.2, okay. Yeah, but preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's good. Hey, where were you at? 2 uh, Timothy. Oh, 2 Timothy, okay. 2 Timothy what? 2 Timothy 4.2. So basically what I'm saying, why don't you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? What what chapter? What what what? Where are you at, Ben? Which one are you? Which? Okay, I want you to go to Luke six. I want you to go to Luke chapter six, and it's the same account, but it explains it a little bit better for you. Go to Luke six, and I want you to. Um, you can you can go ahead and start at verse thirty nine. No no I don't no 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 I'm going to read it. <laughs> I don't want your Bible. You you <laughs> okay, Ben, listen. 39. Yeah. He spoke a parable to. And he's saying in this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Can they? Can a blind person lead another blind person? Not at all. Sometimes. Thank you. Not at all, sir. So if you got two blind people and they got the hand they hold their hand and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through that. It's a big hole up in front of us, but we're going to make it. Come on, hold on to my hand. We're going together. Absolutely. What's going to happen to them? they both going in the ditch, right? right. So they won't be alone. <laughs> that ain't good either, Doc. Hey, Ben. <laughs> That's a lot of comfort. <laughs> I 
something that he told me a while back that came to my remember is that sometimes the Lord will have you to be gentle with some people, and sometimes he'll have you to be a lot firm with some people. And so always to be open and yielded to the Spirit in that aspect to what, how God, you know, how he... Now, let me ask you, there's a scripture that Paul... Can I, can I finish this one first? I thought we were done. No, we just started. <laughs> we only talked about two blind men going into the ditch. We got to go further with them. I thought that was it, man. Okay. Now, he's, he, he's going to explain to you who the blind man is as we read here. He explains who the blind person is. So let's find out who this blind man is. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. That's not a blind man there, of course. Then he goes to verse 41. Here we go. And why do you look or beholdest thou the mote that's in your brother's eye, but you don't look or perceive the beam that is in your own eye? Again, we talked about this. A beam. Somebody sent me, I appreciate it, and went on the thing, and somebody sent me a, a picture of himself with this big beam sticking in. David Magruder sent me a picture, and he put a big beam in his eye. I don't know if he was telling me he's got a beam in his eye or just trying to give me a picture of it. But if you got a beam up in your eye, can you see anything? If you got this beam sticking right in, so what are you? What are you? You're blind, right? You're blind. There you go. So he's telling you who the blind man is. Okay. So saying why, if you got a beam in your eye and you're not seeing, in other words, if I got sin in my life and I'm not seeing, but yet I'm looking over at you and I say, Ben, you you need to get this out of your life, and you say, Wait, well, you got this in your life. You got something worse. Ben, you need you need to quit. Um, going two miles an hour over the speed limit, and you might say, well, Don, you need to quit looking at pornography. <laughs> okay, that's, that's the difference there, okay? One's a beam, one's a moat. All right? Come on. Don't, don't say anything yet. <laughs> See, there Okay, hmm. let's go further. Verse 42. Either how can you say to your brother, brother, let me pull the moat out of your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam that's in your own eye. Thou hypocrite. That's hypocritical judgment. And he says, cast out first. This is the important part. Cast out first the beam that's in your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to pull the mote out of your brother's eye. So if you want to help people, you got to get the beam out of it. you got to get the sin out of your life. (laughs) (laughs) The beam's out. I get that. there, so, but you can't go around doing it. I don't feel like... You can't do what the scripture said. No, you shouldn't. No, the beam is out. There's no blind... I'm not leaving another blind guy in a ditch, but I don't feel like I should say, no, you, can't, you shouldn't go there. They're a false doctor. They're gonna, you're going to burn in hell, and you can't listen to that song because that's antichrist, and I don't want to be like that. I don't. I, it doesn't. You're not, you're not helping Not necessarily. Nobody. Not necessarily. <laughs> some, I'm right. You're some, wrong. That's how some people... Some people would. First of all, you need to lose your attitude. I'm just talking. No, I'm just telling you, though. You need to lose that attitude. attitude? You need to do and be whatever God wants you to say or do or be. You You are judging it with man's judgment and trying to determine what you should do and not do according to what you think. You need to do what it says according That's to what this I'm says. Asking. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm telling you. But, but you're saying, I'm not doing that. That's not a good thing to say. To come across like that is what I'm saying. But what if the Lord has you to come across like that? Because the Lord did it. John the Baptist did it. He told him, he says, listen, you generation of vipers, go and bring me forth fruits of, of, of of fruits of repentance, and then I'll baptize you. 
Or how about Jesus when he said, eat my flesh or drink my blood, or you won't enter the kingdom, and 70 disciples walked away from him. Or how about when he said, hey, your father's the devil. You know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to tell him that. Then you'll probably never get crucified. You'll never get persecuted. Because sometimes the Lord's going to have you do it. I believe what, what Ben is trying to say is when he comes off the way, you know, like, uh, the guy, I mean, uh, the person that he's talking to, automatically builds a wall and says, I ain't going to listen to him because he is, uh, uh, so, I guess, mean. Oh, I think right? you are. Uh, am I correct? No, no, that's what you're saying. Yeah, but uh, you I mean, and so he's asking, I know what how he's should he bring it to him? You, there's, no, there's not a formula. That's fine. Being led, it's being led by the Spirit, how are you going to bring it to him? John just read a scripture that said, preach the word, be instant and in season and out of saving. Reprove, rebuke. I mean, no way. Yeah, rebuke. You know, you know those, all the scripture. With great patience. Yeah, huh? And with great patience. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes he'll have you come across like that. Sometimes he'll have you be more stern. Jesus was very stern with the scribes and Pharisees. He wasn't near that stern with those that were just lost and in sin that needed repentance. He was different with them. It just depends on the situation that you're dealing with. I mean, Paul, Paul was walking one time, and this guy started refuting the gospel. He said, may the Lord make you blind for, 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 for the period. The man went blind. You know, I mean, to some that would be like, man, isn't that kind of harsh, Paul? But you see, you, you, you can't judge according to appearance. You got to judge righteous judgment. The Lord may have you do some things that sometimes may be all. He's had me be stern with people. And then he's had me be real, real gentle with others. It just depends on the situation. Look at what Jesus did, how he did, and John the Baptist and all the disciples. Stephen, before he got stoned to death, said, you bunch of stiff-necked, hardened people. And they stoned him to death. You say, well, maybe Stephen wouldn't have got stoned if he wouldn't have said that. You know, but that's what the Lord had. What, Jill? That's good. says to judge. You have to do that. The Bible commands you to judge. Commands you to. And But you see, she's right. She's so right. Because society has made it where if you judge something, you're just being a judge. You look at, you're thinking, how more higher of yourself than you, than you should. All these things, because that's the way, like, like she just said about the California thing, about all over. Man, you tell somebody, like I talked to, talk to somebody else, they wanted me to marry him. 
I said, man, I said, you guys are living in sin. Y'all living with each other. That needs to stop. The sin needs to stop. Well, you're judging us. I'm not judging you. The Bible already judged you. I'm just pronouncing what the Bible said. And if you take it as personal judgment, it is. And they got mad at me. And they don't talk to me now. But, but you know what? I had to tell them, too. You got to care enough about their soul that you'll tell them the truth, even if, even if it rejects you and it costs you something. You'll never be persecuted if you don't do that. That will cause you to get persecuted. And persecution doesn't feel good. Everybody wants everybody to like them. And when you start telling people straight up the way it is, they're not going to like you. That's part of being a Christian, of living this life. They're not, they're not going to like you. But you, you can't shun what the word says. Well, I, I'm just not going to say it to anybody. I'm telling you why you're not going to say it to anybody, because you want people to like you. That's the problem. Can I interject something sure. a little bit? It's, it's not really that attitude, but it does have to do with attitude where uh, Paul says in Corinthians 9, where he's talking about, I've become all things to all men. He says, I became like the weak so that I might save some of the weak. You know, he became like them, you know, just just to show that he cared that much. I, I, you know, and he wasn't deceitful about it, uh, but he wasn't weak. You know, Paul wasn't weak, mm -hmm. but he mm -hmm. became like them for the sake of the gospel, for the, that he might save a few. We did that this morning, Don. I mean, when we were there, you know, we did that same thing. That Methodist preacher come up to me. He said, man, I like you. He said, but man, I like you. I want you to come preach to my church. I could have said, well, man, I don't know about that. Y'all probably believe in sin nature and all this stuff. He wasn't ready to hear that. Right. I want to get in the door and then begin to do that. And you mentioned, you said, why don't you send him videos and all? I said, no, if I send him those videos, he's probably not ready to hear that. It might, I might never get the door. So I want to get the door to get in there. So you have to use wisdom and become like that. And that's what you're saying. So it's different in different situations. But if it's somebody's been around or somebody just with a religious spirit, the Lord was not very tolerant from what I see in the scriptures with people that were proud and religious. He yeah. told them, man, he told them some harsh things. I mean, come on. Jesus goes in the temple bin. He sits outside first before he gets there, and he makes a whip. He weaves a whip together. Then he goes in there and starts slashing that whip and turning it over to their, their money, the money changers' tables and, and begin to say, you've made my house of prayer a den of wolves, you know, a marketplace. And he's turning the tables over. Now, who would think, like, boy, that Jesus, he sure is gentle. Man, he don't, he's not going to judge us. He was judging all of them. He was passing judgment on all of them. He said, you made it a den of thieves. And he's with a whip, whipping and slashing whip, turning their tables over. How gentle was that? That's how he had to deal. He had to change his attitude. That's right. But he didn't deal with every situation. No, that's what I'm trying to say. It depends on the situation of what you're in. Like, like for instance, he's, he's dead tired. He ministered all day. He looks out and there's a crowd of people there. The Bible said he had compassion on them. And he put himself aside and said, let's feed them. Get them some food. We only have five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread, and, and three fish. He says, pass it out. Take the best. Pass. So he was different there. And, and it just depends on the situation. You can't just go and say, this is, this is the way it is. We're going to make a little box, and we've got to stay within this box. Because it's not going to be that way. I found that in my own life. This is a great topic. This is a very, uh, this is a 
but, but, but Jill's right. What Jill said is the devil wants to shut you up. And if the, it, it, the devil could make you think, well, you can't say nothing because you're judging everybody and it's, and it's all wrong, then that he's got you. But when you speak up and people don't like it, man, I, I just get like, and I, and I, I mean, everybody wants somebody, everybody to like it. And sometimes I just feel like, and you probably think, oh, Don, you don't think like it. But sometimes I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to tell them something. You know, I know they're going to get mad at me, but I got to tell them. You know, they're probably not going to have nothing to do with me again. But, I, it's, okay, do you want to be a friend of the world or do you want to be a friend of God? You know, that's what it comes down to. He said, Paul even said, he said, man, he said, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's what he said in Galatians chapter 4. He says, the more I love you, the less I'm loved. Yeah, and, and the reason they were is because they told the truth. They just told them. Jesus cared enough about those people. This was in the mind of Christ. When he went in there with that, with that whip and went and started saying all that, in Christ's mind, he, he was not worried about offending them. He was worried about this may be the last time maybe they'll ever hear me, and maybe somebody will, will get it. But if I don't do anything, they're just going to keep this up and never get it. When you're with an individual... You don't know if you have another time to ever be with them again. And it may come across harsh or maybe come across hard or whatever, but you delivered your soul. You, you, that blood won't be upon your hand. You don't know if you're going to have another time with them. You don't know if you can become friends with them long enough to tell them something. All you have is that moment to share the gospel with them. And if you have to come to them and say, listen, man, God is not pleased with your life. You're living with somebody. You're doing this or that. That's got to stop or you're not going to make it. I had people hang up on the phone with me for saying that. I had people that say, listen, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to do any of this. But you, but you know what? I cared enough about their soul that it was worth, if it, it was worth losing the friendship if perhaps one day they'll come back and they'll say, you know what? I remember what he told me a long time ago. I, I need to get things right. And it causes them to, to do that. Even if they don't and I see them burning in hell, I say, all I can say, man, I tried to warn you. You got mad at me. You're burning in hell because you didn't want to listen to me. But I'd rather see that than see it burning in hell. And they're saying, why didn't you tell me? I was scared to hurt your feelings, man. What, what, you shouldn't have worried about hurting my feelings. Look at me now. I'm burning for eternity. Why didn't you tell me that I was in sin and I needed to get right? Because I was scared you were going to judge me, that you were thinking I was judging you. No, they'd say, why didn't you tell me? Save me from this pit of fire. You see the difference? And what it means when you tell the truth in love? That's love. Love is not necessarily something, oh, you know what? Uh, I don't want to tell you about your sin or anything, <laughs> you know, but uh, you just need to accept Jesus as your Savior. No, no, I'm not saying you have to stop sinning or nothing, and you're just trying to be friends. That's baloney. That's not the truth. You got to share the truth with people. And the truth is sometimes it really hurts, you know, and, and we know that, right? We know that, but you have to share it. They're going to get mad at you, Ben. There's no way around it. All that live godly shall suffer persecution. He says, you call not only to believe only, but to suffer for my name's sake, is what he said in Philippians chapter 1, because you have to speak the truth to people, no matter what the cost is. That's the whole problem with the modern day church today. They won't preach about sin. 
They want to give self-help classes is basically what they do and tell you sin till the day you die because they won't tell you the truth. They're dying and burning in hell and going to hell and they're building their big, big mega churches and giving all the money in and doing all this stuff and have all these programs and all these classes and they say some stuff that's good but it's mixed with stuff that's bad and that's the way the devil always does it. He always mixes some truth with some error. <laughs> she just confessed to me that she drank two bottles of wine. She confessed it to me too. Oh, did she? Yeah. And I told her, Don, I, I said, she I wasn't said, big enough to hold two <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And I told she told yeah, me, she, she says, you know, I, I drank some wine before I came. I said, well, you know what you need to do, huh? She said, what? I said, you need to ask God to forgive you and turn from that and never drink another drop for the rest of your life or you're going to go to hell. She walked away from me sorrowfully. She walked away. But you got to tell them. It's not about judging them. That's not in your heart. Your heart is not to judge them. Your heart is to save them. But if judgment has to come forward, you can't be obedient to any of what this word says. The important thing is get the beam out of your eye. If you love your brother enough, get the beam out of your eye so you can help them to get the moat out of theirs. That's, that's the whole key. But judgment is clear in the word of God. You have to do that. It's, it's a big, serious topic that's reality. It, it, it really is. It's huge. Yeah, are, it is. You, are you a believer? You need to like, do what the Word of God says. I mean, you know? So do I, do I feel like I want to be used to help some of these guys that, where I'm living and all this? Yeah, I do. But to go sit up in that doctrine of the AA deal, and it's just a lot going on. And Well, I can tell you. you. Know, I, I mean, <clears throat> what, like you're saying, you tell them the truth. You're going to be persecuted. There's no if, ands, or buts. So what do you what 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 would your flesh like to do? Not tell them the truth. That's right. And be their best friend. That's right. Help them and, and, and think, and oh I, man, I, that guy really likes me, right, man. Exactly. And I'm, eventually, I'm just going to tell him a little bit more about the gospel. You're doing nothing. You're doing, you're doing nothing. nothing. You're not you're not telling right. you're not helping them. Like you you just sugarcoat them. Feeling good about yourself and you know your mo whatever. And you're not doing nothing. There's nothing you're doing. You're not really be standing up. You're right. That is a huge topic a huge, because you hear it all the time. That's what the modern and that's what the modern day deal is. They're, they're not going on these subjects because they don't want to offend nobody. Because if they really came at the real deal, there wouldn't be nobody going over the church. There wouldn't be anybody. In church. <laughs> nobody wants to hear about. It. You don't even want to say the word repent in church. That's an offensive word. <laughs> you know, it's an offensive word. And you're right. But you know. Through my, through my week this week, you know, and I've really just been dealing with it. And i got to share that because you really open my eyes to it about John the Baptist and Jesus, you know, doing what he did because you start seeing it. I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm glad I said something because yeah. parts of me is going, I've really been judging these people. I really, I really. And the enemy wants wrong. to get you, the enemy wants really to get you to feel bad, wrong. feel sorry for him. I try to all share that. with this guy and he's telling me, oh, you're cured. You're cured from, and I said, I don't want to use the word cure. I want to use the word delivered. I'm delivered from drugs and alcohol. I'm not going to say that I'm not. Anyway, you know what I go through. We talk every day, but, you know. All that being said, also, the word said, it's not to catch your once. So if you got somebody before you that's just living for the devil. Sure. You know. You and you share with them and they don't uh, want it. Or yeah, they, they, right. they, they, they trample upon it. They no, that's right. right. Yeah. 
That's right. And the Lord has had me times like, you've said enough. Right. Leave it alone. I had a guy in that group who was like, you said enough. You're not going to convince him. You know, he's, he's made yeah. his choice. Jesus even told him, he says, when you go through the cities and you preach the gospel, uh, those wow. who are worthy, those who are worthy, go and, and stay with them. But if they receive you not, wipe the dust from your feet and leave. When mom went on before she died, we talked to her on the phone, and when the first words out of her mouth would be, are you ready? And she was asking us if we were ready to accept Jesus Christ into our life. Are you ready? And then planting seeds. Who was that, your mom? Yeah. And uh, uh, sometimes she'd say, I don't think he's ready yet. You know, but to, to do what? I don't think he's ready yet. To do what? Wait a minute. Let's back up. What What does it mean to accept Jesus as you? I mean, I, I, she would ask if we were ready. I'm listening. I'm looking. I'm listening to your terminology there. I want to know what that means. Just say what his mom says. I know. I know what he's saying. What his mom says, but I want to get it from him. Will accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior save you? Will that save you? Will that keep you from going to hell? That's a good start. It will not. No, it will not. No, sir. It will not. Accept it. You really need Jesus to accept you. You don't need Jesus to, you, you don't need to accept Jesus. You need, to accept, you need Jesus to accept you. And the only way he's going to accept us is us to turn from our sin, to repent. But a lot of people say that, Larry. The reason why I'm bringing it, I'm not to, pick, not to pick on you, but a lot of people say that you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, ask him to forgive you, and you're going to heaven. That's a lie from the enemy. You cannot go to heaven like that. Nowhere in the Word of God, I can't find one scripture where, you've, where, you, where it says to accept the Lord as your personal Savior and you're saved. Nowhere. That's just something man has made up. That's a sinner's prayer, man-made-up doctrine. It's not the Word of God. Without repentance, there's no salvation. And when you accept the Lord, that, does, that doesn't do anything. Oh, I accept him. What, what, do you think God needs you to do? You, you need to do God a favor and accept him? No, you need the favor. <laughs> you need to get God to accept you. Because remember that he said in that last day, you, uh, he, he, you, you will say, Lord, did we not do all this stuff? You know, and he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. He never accepted them. He didn't say, you never accepted me. He said, no, I never accepted you. That's the point. And, uh, But, but even, even, even making a choice without repentance is worthless. It's worthless. Uh, well, what, what he's talking about is like, because I remember the conversation, uh, talking to mom on the phone, and uh, she, you know, she, uh, just before we hung up, she said, I, I, I got to know, you know, are you ready? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, when, if you died uh, today, would you go to heaven? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you know I, I only hope, you know. But I never really thought about it. Well, once she said that, I mean, I can't eat every day. I mean, it was like, she planted that seed, like, <laughs> uh, well, what do I got to do? Do I got to quit doing these drugs? Am I, I got to, first of all, do I really have a problem with these drugs? Well, maybe I do. I have it all the time.
time for how many years, you know. Uh, and so I started thinking about that, and then it was like within four or five months, I completely quit doing drugs. I started praying for a miracle. I didn't know what I was praying for, but I started praying for a miracle on my knees every day for three days. I mean, uh, three times a day. Uh, I have no idea what I'm praying for except a miracle. And then I just all of a sudden one day didn't want drugs no more. And so God, yeah, God took the, the desire for drugs away. He made me realize that that, uh, that that was wrong. You know, mom planted the seed. You know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anything that your mom said. I was just correcting the terminology okay. that was being said, whether she said that or didn't say that. I'm not saying anything about your mom one way or another. I don't know your mom. Uh, but I'm going to ask you another question on what you said. <laughs> I'm going to on you a little while. Okay? Is that, is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, is repentance up to man or up to God? Up to me. Oh, it's up, up to me. Up to you. So it's your job to repent. Absolutely. Okay. Is, is repentance, um, so repentance is not a gift from God. It's a it's something that is required from you to, to do. So by repentance, I'm going to ask you a question. This repentance means what? Okay, to turn from the sin, right? To have a change of mind, to turn from the sin. So should I wait upon the Lord if if I'm doing something that I know is against the commands of God, and I want to turn to repent to the Lord, and I'm and I'm doing drugs or I'm hooked on pornography and I'm doing all this stuff, should I just pray about it and say, God, uh, you're going to have to help me to, to stop doing this or should I just, or do I stop doing it on my own? No, I got to stop doing it on my own. I got to realize that I got a problem. And and because uh, I absolutely had no idea that I had a, I had a problem with drugs. At all. You were just taking them. Huh? <laughs> you were just taking them, right? Well, my head is <laughs> running out. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and, that just shows the mercy and patience, the great long-suffering. I didn't know what I was praying for. I had no idea. Just a miracle. You know, like, I mean, hey, uh, okay, uh, might have a problem with drugs. And, I mean, oh, whatever. The, the, miracle, miracle, I mean, the miracle that he granted me was to show me that yeah, you got a problem. You had conviction. If the Bible says it's the goodness of God to lead a man to repentance, to show him his error. Okay, you saw that, right? Yeah. Uh, it, but I'm not. I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm not just talking about any individual any, thing. Any, any sin. Yeah. But but if you put it on God to bring you through repentance, then anybody can say, "Well, I couldn't repent because God didn't help me." Oh, I, I but I, I, but you I, see, it's it's your choice to start sinning. And it's your choice to stop saying. Can you turn to Colossians 2? What? Colossians 2. He want, uh, um, Cedric wants you to turn to Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians after Philippians chapter 2. Rachel, if you have any comments, we want to hear them, okay? <laughs> You're so quiet over there. You think we're all crazy? Go ahead and say it. <laughs> it says, as you therefore... What verse? Six. Colossians 2 and verse 6. It says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so ye walk in him. 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you. Beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, uh, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of the principle in his power. Okay. What's your point on that scripture? What do you say? <laughs> so it's, it, it does say in the Bible about accepting the Lord, but not in the form of where they're well, you receive, how do you How do you receive him? You receive him by, by you coming to him mm-hmm. on his terms and humbling yourself and crying out to God and your afflicted affliction of your sin, and and then you and then after repentance, mm-hmm. then you receive Him, which is which He is salvation. Mm-hmm. So you do receive Him, but it's not until there's repentance. Right. Repentance has to take place, and repentance you can't say. You don't want to end up saying, "Well, well, you know, uh, I I couldn't quit doing drugs, or I couldn't quit this or that, uh, that I had to wait for God to help me." Because some people could say, well, God never helped me. You have the world out there, okay, just facts. You have the world out there that don't even know God. And a lot of them quit doing drugs. Yeah. You see, a lot of them quit stealing. God showed me that, that I had a problem. That's what I think. Yeah, and that's then, right. And, and, and then and you had to be, begin to react upon that. Yeah. You had because to make I, your choice. I absolutely, absolutely did not think I had a problem. Right. You know, Most people don't when they do it. I mean, I mean uh, what? I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm completely. I've been doing drugs since I was 13 years old, and speed every day since I was 21. I'm 60. I was 57 at the time. And I'm like, I can. I no, I can quit anytime I want. You know. <laughs> so they all say I die. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but I mean, like I said, uh, I think the miracle was that God showed me that, yeah, you do have a problem. Sure. As with any sin. Okay. Anybody else have a comment? Do you, is that, are you clear on the, on the judgment thing now? Um, I am. Scripture says that, that when you when you minister the word, it will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it is sent. It will either lead to death or will lead to life. In today's society, we want everything instant and automatically take to take place. So.
So man has created a formula, and I was part of it, and I apologize for that, and I've repented from that. But he's created a formula that you can go to somebody and you can try to convince them to accept the Lord as their personal Savior, take them through a sinner's prayer that we manufactured, and that they are, and then declare that they are saved without any room for repentance at all. The scripture never portrayed that at all. It was never an instantaneous thing. Sometimes, yeah. it, sometimes it is, like the thief of the cross, because God knows the heart. Can a person repent right away? Certainly they can. Does a person always repent right away? No, they don't. Some people take, take, it takes some time to work through their repentance. You know, like, for instance, with drugs, you know, it could be that that person sees it, but it might have taken you a season to go through to completely get off the drug. And, and um, I think one of the miracles was, I mean, I know one of the miracles was, put me in prison. Yeah. You know, and, and you get me to slow down. Yeah. You know, enough to get you enough to stop and think and yeah. get dried out to where you can do it. And sometimes it might be a rehab, or not a rehab, a but a, but a, a detox. Detox facility, something clicked there that said, this is it, this is enough. You know, and, and so you go through those, those times and those things. So sometimes repentance can take a season to actually work out repentance. So you may not see any fruit of your labor right away. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, one man plants, the man that plants, does he see the thing completely grow? When you go plant a plant outside and you look out there, you put a bean in the ground and you, you're growing some string beans, and Don knows he's grown, and you guys have grown gardens, and you go out there the next day, and you say, well, dig it up, and there's <laughs> nothing happening here. When, when, I you got, know? when I got busted that morning, okay, uh, they got me in the back of the car, uh, cop car, I'm handcuffed, handcuffed down my back. From the point I was right away, I had to look up, and I went, Oh, God, is this what I was praying for? <laughs> is this the miracle I was praying for? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but you see that, you, you, he says, one man uh, plants. The man that plants doesn't see the full harvest. You, you're called the plant. Then another man waters. You see, what you plants it, and somebody else comes on the folks to put some water on it. But God has to give the increase. We don't give the increase. God's going to cause that plant either to grow up and be a fruitful plant or not. But what we want to do is we want to plant it, see it grown, bearing fruit, all in one day. Yeah, make you feel good. But that's not the scriptural way. The real scriptural way is, hey, plant the seed. Hey, water the seed. And then let God do the increase. And the parable of the sower the seed, yeah. He's, ca he's broadcasting seed. Yeah. And some of it falls on good ground. Only some of it. Yeah, most of it went stony yeah. ground, thorns and briars, you know, along the wayside, yeah. all this stuff. But he's still casting the seed. That's right. And he's moving on casting more seed. The That's scripture right. that we just read where Paul's speaking, that he, he we just shared about this, I want to, I know we're getting close to time, but I'd like to kind of um, dig into exactly what it's meaning, what context the whole nine, where it says, I've become. First yeah, Corinthians chapter nine. It's kind of similar to the Methodist preacher this morning. Right. You okay, know, so, same thing. So and, and here's where I'm at with it. So, okay, in my life, if I want to go out and be a vessel towards the Lord, do I go sit in these meetings 
well, I have to anyway. But do, I mean, you know, even though they're preaching this doctrine, am I going to be a part and be all things so that I can maybe talk to somebody afterwards and lead them to Christ? Is that the kind of, and I'm just using that for an example. You have, you, have, you have to take the full counsel of the Word of God. You never want to just take a scripture and isolate it and say, well, this is what it is. You have to look at other scriptures as well with what he's saying. It doesn't mean that you become, he said he became as under the law. He became as not under the law. Not that, he's, not that he was under the law or not under the law. It was that he became, he went where they're at. For instance, and you were talking about a scripture yesterday in Romans 14, that it says uh, that when you receive one, don't receive them to doubtful disputations. In other words, that person... You, you know, he may have some weaknesses, and you don't want to just blow him away. You know, one man esteems one day higher than another, another man esteems every day alike. And you're going to try to force that man to, that esteems that one day higher than another that he's wrong and try to make him do it, and you're going to blow him away, and he's not ready for that. You know, so you have to go where he's at and try to bring him forward to, 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 the, to the full truth. Now, if a person's living living in fornication or something that's a sin unto death, see, esteeming one day hard another day or every day the same, that's not a sin unto death. That's something that or one man believes he can eat, he said he could, believes he can eat meat, another man believes he should just eat herbs. You know, so let not that man that eats herbs judge that man that eats meat. These are things that are this stuff that's, what he's talking about is stuff that's not really sensual, that's not going to send them to hell. You just... Say, okay, brother, you know, we'll walk with you a while, and then they'll come along in that. And that's what he's talking about, the same thing with Paul. He says, he says, I went there where they're at so that I could help them to move forward. So you may be in that meeting, but you're not participating in what they're doing, but you're there to be able to share the, share the truth with them from where they're at and bring them out of there. Every circumstance is different. But if they're doing drugs, okay, and you're saying, oh, I'm going to go where you're at. No, 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 please. You're going to go and you're going to tell, no, brother, that's got to stop or you can't make it to the kingdom of God. basically talking about people that he was ministering to in churches. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Pre-preaching. Yeah. Understand? I did. Good. Perfect. Everybody got it? Good? Yeah. All right. Larry? Okay. Terry? Good. So, amen.